Hi everyone, I just wanted to um, go through the conflicts in objectives that we did touch upon for a number of classes. I think there are two classes which I didn't actually do this um, for, but I was just going to talk through my slides on this. So what I'm going to do is send you the slides um, and if you could listen to the podcast at the same time. Unfortunately, I don't have the <coughs> technology um, to be able to record over my PowerPoint because you can only do that on a computer and I've bought my iPad um, back home and I don't have um, a computer. So if you could try and listen to this as we sort of um, go through the slides. Now, if we just going on slide 24, we'll just start on what I asked you to do and those that did do it was to just think about how um, if the government or, or central bank tries to meet some of these objectives, how they may com conflict or complement one another. So if they conflict, it means that if you achieve one objective, it will negatively impact another objective. And if they complement one another, it means that by achieving one objective, you also achieve another objective. So the complement is obviously the good thing. The conflict is um, a bad thing. And what I asked um, those that did it to do, basically, was put all of the objectives around um, the page on the edge of the page and then try and link the objectives to one another to see if they negatively or positively impact one another. So, for example, if I was starting with economic growth, um, A, as my starting point, I would think, right, OK, does growth conflict or complement with uh, low unemployment? Does growth conflict or complement low and stable inflation? Does it conflict or complement with a balance of payments equilibrium on the current account? and so forth. And then maybe I go down to low unemployment and think, well, does that conflict or complement economic growth? Does that conflict or complement low and stable um, rate of inflation? And you end up with a page full of everything. Now, you don't need to know every conflict possible or every complement possible, but what you do need to know is some of the key ones. And then on the next slide on 25, I've tried to identify some of the key ones. So the biggest conflict that exists um, in terms of the economic objectives is between growth and inflation. If you want to have economic growth, um, then it's likely that you are also going to have high levels of inflation. Now, just to go into this in terms of um, maybe a little bit more detail, well, it depends upon the type of growth that you've got. So if you've got growth in terms of demand um led growth um, and aggregate demand shifting out, that is going to lead to inflation. However, it may not do so if you're on the, um, have a lot of spare capacity in the economy and you're, you're on the elastic part of the aggregate supply line. But if you get growth in terms of long-term growth, which is your long, uh, long run aggregate supply, then actually that's going to have a deflationary impact and therefore you're, gonna, you can, you're able to achieve economic growth without having um, uh, a negative impact on inflation. The second one down, growth in the environment. Um, this is again, um, this is, you could argue this either way. It tends to be that higher red rates of growth lead to um, um, greater negative impacts on the environment. We can we can see that right now, you know, production's come to a halt and, and as a result of it actually, um, the environment is benefiting from that. Um, China is another great example of um, the sort of the environmental damage that they have done um, with their high levels of growth over the last 30 or 40 years. Um, however, the argument could be also that, you know, if you're able to grow 
the government's able um, to take in more tax revenue. And as a result of that, then they could actually spend more on trying to um, improve the environment. So there is something called the Kuznets environmental um, curve, which basically says that when the countries initially start to grow, um, they tend to have a negative impact on the environment. However, as they continue to grow even further, that uh, impact on the environment um, starts to diminish as they turn to the sort of greener alternatives or start investing in greener energy. And then the final one is partic um, very um, particular to the UK economy. But to achieve a balanced budget, which in the UK's economy position, um, they are in a um, fiscal deficit. So to try and reduce that deficit, what would be the impact on growth and employment? Well, to reduce that deficit, they'd have to increase taxes and reduce their spending. And that's obviously then like to have a negative impact on growth and employment. So there are quite a lot of um, um, conflicts and complements in terms of these objectives. Now, slide 26 is introducing you to something called the Phillips curve. Um, this was developed by some an economist called Bill Phillips, who's on the left hand side. Um, and looked at the negative relationship between the rate of inflation and the rate of unemployment. Now, in a way, this is your aggregate supply line. So if you were to flip these axes and move them around, it's effectively, you know, real GDP on um, uh, the, the, the oh, sorry, it, it, because it looks at the rate of unemployment as opposed to employment, you just need to switch that curve um, slightly um, round, um, but it is effectively your aggregate supply line. So he found out that if you have high rates of inflation, um, it tends to be at points of low um, unemployment. And if you have um, low rates of inflation, it tends to coincide with points of high unemployment. Now, the numbers on there aren't necessarily true. So that's not that saying that when you reach an unemployment level of 4%, your inflation rate goes down. That's not, oh, sorry, not down. It goes um, to deflation. That's not necessarily deflation um, would occur at a much higher uh, rate of unemployment, but it's just trying to put some numbers and um, to paint the picture. So those that haven't done it, I just want you to have a think about why this exists. So those that haven't done this task, maybe pause for just um, a few minutes. And I want you to think about from the demand side, okay, why does when everyone is in a job, does the rate of inflation increase? So why, when the rate of unemployment is low, does the rate of inflation increase from the demand side? But also, when everyone is in a job, why is the rate of inflation high? Or when everyone is out of a job, why is the rate of inflation low? So it's, infl it's unemployment affecting inflation, not inflation affecting unemployment. And the answer to this question, to two questions are when, when everyone's in a job, incomes are high, demand is high in the economy, and therefore we see greater levels of demand pull inflation. Whereas when everyone um, is um, in a job, we tend to see higher average wages. So this is the second part in terms of supply side. Now, if we've got higher average wages, the cost of production for firms goes up. As a result of that, then we see higher cost push inflation. So there are two ways of trying to explain um, this Phillips curve. Now, um, this is going off syllabus, as I've just stated on there, but just to take this a little bit further, and you do need to look at this next year, so it, it, it's maybe useful for some people that are carrying on with economics. In the short run, this Phillips curve does have this negative correlation between inflation and unemployment. But in the long run, um, there is no relationship between the two. And the reason is 
if you look at the left hand side of my um, uh, the left hand um, diagram. So let's let's let, let's look at what's happened from the demand pool um, point of view. Aggregate demand shifts out and prices go up. Okay, so that's where we get our um, inflation. And let's say aggregate demand goes up because more people um, are spending money. Um, uh, and as a result of that, then uh, sh sorry, firms are responding to that by pushing up their prices. Now, from a work, if I'm a worker and I'm seeing higher prices in the economy, I am going to come worse off in real terms. So what do I do? Well, I go back to my um, employer and say, well, I need a wage rise because in real terms, I'm actually worse off than I was before. And they respond to me probably and say, well, you know, that's OK. Like we want to make sure that you keep your purchasing power um, and, and they may respond by pushing up the wages. Now, if they push up my wages, that their costs go up. And if their costs go up, their short run, um, the short run aggregate supply across the economy, if this happens to all firms, shifts inwards. So we end up moving from P2 to P3. Now, this process just carries on all the time. So what you end up doing is moving, if you can see, basically all the way up YF where this level of full employment is and you don't achieve any change in unemployment or real output but you just see price levels increasing so it instead of sort of having a situation where we have the short run effect it's over time that um the the long um at the natural rate of um, unemployment, inflation will just continue to rise. And that's what has done over time. Like they, we look at the last 40, 50 years and prices are so much higher, um, not for all goods, but for, mo for the average goods than they were um, sometime before that. Right. So 29 sort of tries to explain um, um, how the Phillips curves, long run Phillips curves actually works. Slide 30 is the, I'd say the, the, test to see whether you understand this as um, a topic. So what I would like you to do as a task, and I really like you to all do this as a task, is not something I'm going to take in, um, but just to test your own knowledge basically on this, is I would like you to try and plan an answer to this question. It's a 20 marker. It's important that we start um, you know, doing some more work in terms of the 20 mark essays. So the question was, and this is a question that came up a few years ago, to what extent does the pursuit of economic growth conflict with other macroeconomic objectives um, in uh, the economy? So the key thing you need to do is define the key term. Then I want you to pick the best and the most obvious conflicts of objectives. So growth conflicting with Another um, uh, objective, growth conflicting with a second objective are your two points of analysis. Think about the evaluation. This will be quite hard, maybe, um, to think about. Uh, try and incorporate diagrams in there to show this conflict. And then your conclusion is trying to answer the question. So to what extent does it? Does it conflict with other objectives? Does it not conflict with other objectives? So I really want you just to have a good think about um, that essay and maybe you know sit down it probably take you maybe 10 or 20 minutes I think to plan a, a, a strong essay on this um, but if you can it's I you know it is bar balance of payments I think conflicts and objectives is one of the more difficult um, areas of theme two when it does come up um, yeah st students really struggle with it in essays but if you can 
get your head around it is it's actually quite straightforward and an opportunity for you to really show everything that you've learnt um, in the theme too. It really brings together the whole unit. So if you can sort of understand this question and write a good answer to this question, more more um, nine times out of ten, you'll you pretty much understand um, the whole of theme two. So try and give that uh, a go.